0: Welcome to the Home Birth After Caesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary c sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after caesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. I am super excited to finally be launching this podcast. This is something that I've been working on for several months now. And I just have to start by saying thank you to everybody who has already shown so much support for getting this podcast up and running. I know that there are already podcasts out there about VBAC birth and about home birth. So my intent with this podcast was to combine the two and have one space for all of the home birth VBAC stories. So in this episode, I will just jump into who I am, uh, tell you a little bit about myself and my story, what brought me to wanting to create this podcast. And then I'll also dive into the birth story of my son who was born in December of 2019. So my story to motherhood actually begins several years ago, even though my son is just over a year old. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was 22. And when I received that diagnosis, I was basically told by several doctors that I would not be able to get pregnant on my own. I would have to do all of these fertility meds or possibly fertility treatment because my body wasn't ovulating. And that was really devastating for me because I had known from a very young age that I wanted to be a mother. My boyfriend at the time, my now husband, um, we had talked and we knew that we both wanted children. We both wanted a big family. And that was a really hard time for me. It kind of shifted my world a little bit. So I definitely had that gut feeling after a couple of those initial appointments that. This was not the way that I wanted to do things. I was basically being told to go on the birth control pill because that will normalize my cycles and help regulate my hormones. And then when we were ready to start trying to get pregnant, there were other medications that they could give me to help me ovulate and help us conceive and then help us have a healthy, viable pregnancy. And that is just not what we wanted to do. That's not what felt right for me. And so I started looking into natural ways to support my body and natural ways to balance my hormones. And I couldn't really find a ton of information out there about PCOS. Um, I definitely know that there's more out there now and it's become a little bit more of a focus in women's health. So I basically just started with cutting out as many toxins in our environment as I could. So I cleaned up my diet. I cut out sugar and as much dairy and gluten as I could. We started really focusing on eating organic, whole foods, staying away from eating out and all of the processed or canned or boxed foods, um... I also watched a documentary on Netflix called Stink, and that was really eye-opening for me too. So if you haven't watched that, that's a good one to watch. But it basically talks about all of the toxins in everyday products that we use, like shampoo or body wash or soap or even different perfumes and things that we're putting on our body and how that affects us and the fact that... There are so many hidden ingredients in so many of the everyday things that we use. And so we just really focused on using as natural products as we could, getting rid of all of those extra icky things. Um, I started exercising five days a week with a wonderful group of women that I worked with. And then in the meantime, my then boyfriend and I got engaged and we started Going through some marriage preparation courses with our church in order for us to get married there. And one of the classes was a natural family planning course. So that was pretty eye opening to me as well. It's not something I had ever been exposed to before. So, for those who don't know what natural family planning is, it is a method of tracking your menstrual cycles. So, not just your period, but your entire menstrual cycle. And watching for different signs and symptoms or indicators of your fertile time and your infertile time. So growing up having the mainstream public school health class, you kind of learn, well anytime you have unprotected sex there's a chance that you can get pregnant. So learning that that's not actually true was a little bit mind-blowing for me and I, I remember actually being really angry that I hadn't learned any of this sooner. So... Um, At the time, the class focused on trying to avoid pregnancy and trying to conceive pregnancy. So we knew that we didn't want to try to avoid pregnancy. So at the time, while the class gave me a little bit of a different insight into my cycle and things to watch for, at the same time, it didn't click fully until about a year or so later um, just because we we didn't want to try to avoid pregnancy so my thought was well we don't have to worry about watching for fertile signs because if I'm fertile that's great if I'm not then that's just what it is So that was kind of my first exposure to natural family planning or another name for it is fertility awareness So fast forward about a year or so my husband and I got married um, again we knew we wanted to have, a big family. We wanted to have children right away. And so we just started trying to get pregnant. And it wasn't until a couple of months had passed that I stumbled across a Facebook group called Moms in the Making. And it was for women who were trying to conceive and had received some type of diagnosis of infertility or had been trying for a while and weren't getting pregnant and just wanted support from other women. So Inside of that group, I discovered several other Facebook groups that I'm still in today, and one of them was about fertility awareness. And then I discovered the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. And if you have not read that book, that is the number one book that I recommend to literally anyone who will listen to me, because that book, again, was such a an eye opener for me and taught me so many things about my body that I had never been taught before. So to give just a brief overview, it goes through fertility awareness methods. Um, It talks about the different signs and symptoms that you watch for when you're looking for your fertile time. And there was a chapter in there about PCOS and that's kind of what sparked me starting to look into the PCOS side of things again, and at that time, I was able to find a little bit more information out there, and there are some specific groups on Facebook in particular that focus on PCOS, but anyway, I was able to connect with some different women inside of that group, and I started tracking my cycles. I really hadn't been up until this point. I had been tracking when I was getting my period, when I was actually getting it, because I would go anywhere from like 60 to 100 something days between cycles. So of course, then I'm thinking, oh, I'm pregnant. That's why I'm not getting my period. But I I wasn't. My hormones were still just so imbalanced that I wasn't ovulating regularly. And so learning about that fertility awareness, again kind of sparked something in me. And I I realized I wanted to keep learning about things that we aren't really taught in a mainstream culture. And so I started learning about conception and pregnancy and birth. And that led me down the path to attending a birth doula training, which looking back, I have no idea like how that even came to fruition. It's just something that All of a sudden, I was doing. It seemed to happen almost overnight, but I was so excited about it. And looking back now, too, so my husband and I are Catholic. We have a very strong faith. And looking back, I know now that the reason it took so long for my son to be brought into this world was because I needed to go down this path. I needed to heal my body. I needed to explore all of these different avenues of fertility and birth and pregnancy because now I'm a stay-at-home mom with him and I'm a doula. So I get to support women who have either received some of these diagnoses of infertility and want to learn more about their body or want to start tracking their cycles. So I do natural family planning instruction. And then I also offer support for moms during pregnancy and during labor and birth and the immediate postpartum period. And it's just something that clicked for me the moment I started looking into it and started supporting women in this way. And so I just know that this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I'll jump into my birth story in a minute here, but it's kind of the same thing now with VBAC support and getting this podcast up and running. Like I, as much as I wish that my birth had gone a different way or the way that I had planned, I know that there's a reason why it happened that way. And I knew that early on, but of course it takes time to process and kind of figure out the reasons behind that. But it's changed who I am as a doula it's helped me find confidence as a mom and it's helped me discover this passion for VBAC because there's so there's sometimes so much negativity and VBAC is kind of a taboo thing to talk about in certain areas especially if you're wanting to plan a home birth VBAC and so just being able to provide additional support for people who are wanting to have VBAC births at home and then getting all of these VBAC home birth stories out there for other women. It just feels right. And I guess that's a little bit of the backstory of why I wanted to create this podcast and where that passion comes from. So, to kind of jump into then my son's birth story. And where this whole passion for VBAC support and home birth after VBAC or home birth after cesarean support comes from. So like I said, my son was born in December of 2019. So at the time that this is airing, he is just over a year old. And after spending so much time researching pregnancy and birth and going through my doula training, I knew before we even got pregnant that I wanted to have a home birth. So to give a little bit of frame of reference, so my husband and I got married in October of 2017, and then it took us 18 months of actively trying to conceive to get pregnant with my son or with our son. So during that time, I had still been cleaning up my diet, cleaning up my lifestyle, exercising, Um, I had discovered, rediscovered the natural family planning, taking charge of your fertility. And then there were two other books as well that were kind of game changers for me. So one of them is period repair manual and the other one is woman code. So in addition to eating those like good organic whole foods, focusing on my diet and my exercise, I started incorporating some different supplements, um, I remember even forcing my husband to eat liver with me because that was something that I had read was really good for fertility and whatnot. So anyway, fast forward to that time when we got pregnant, it was actually about a week before my birthday that I kind of realized like, okay, I think I might be pregnant. And I was tracking my cycles, so... For those of you who do that, know that if you have 18 high temps after your ovulation, it's pretty likely that you are pregnant or there's some other underlying health conditions. So I, I hit that 18 number and just kept on going. I was terrified to take a pregnancy test because at that point I had already taken so many pregnancy tests thinking that I was pregnant and they were negative and I just did not want to pee on another negative stick and so I remember making this deal in my head like okay on my birthday I'll take a test and then maybe it'll be positive and it'll be like the best birthday present ever so I I realize now looking back on that I did not trust my body the way that I thought I did or the way that I told myself that I did and I think that that plays into how my birth went and how motherhood initially went for me too. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But anyway, so I, I get home from work on my birthday and I took a pregnancy test and it was blaringly positive. Like I was probably a good four or five weeks pregnant at this time. So the little test line was actually way darker than the control line. And that kind of freaked me out at first too. Cause I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Is that bad? So Anyway, my husband came home from work and I surprised him with the tests and he was just elated, like wanted to literally scream from the rooftops. He was so excited. So that was that was fun and it was a fun gift to myself, I guess, to find out that we were pregnant on my birthday. So we immediately contacted two midwives in our area and actually only one of them got back to me. So at that time... I, I didn't really think that I had any other options if I wanted to have a home birth was just the one midwife and that was fine. We liked her. um We got along with her, but I do wish just knowing what I know now, I wish we would have explored our options a little bit more because now I know that there are other midwives in the area and that some people choose not to have a midwife at all for their home births and so I just wish I would have had that knowledge at that time because we maybe would have made some different choices but um anyway so we set up our prenatal appointments and we were super excited but we we kind of kept the fact that we were choosing a home birth close to us we really didn't share that with a ton of people um just because the stigma around home birth can be really negative sometimes. And it's crazy how so many people feel the need to tell you like the worst possible birth stories possible when you're pregnant. I had I remember having so many people tell me, oh, well, my, my friend's cousin's sister had her baby at home and this happened and it was horrible and blah, 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 blah. So I really found the importance of putting up boundaries with people and just flat out telling people like, yeah, I don't want to hear those stories. Yeah. You don't need to tell me that I'm choosing to just focus on the positive things. And that's kind of when I realized too, like, you don't, you don't have to share your intentions with everybody either. It's not really anybody else's business, what you're choosing to do for your birth. And so I, I really was selective with who I chose to talk about our plans of home birth with. And we we had a really easy pregnancy, I would say. Um, I definitely had some of the nausea and the exhaustion in the first trimester, but then second trimester was a breeze. Uh, third trimester, I started getting huge. <laughs> and I I knew that I was actually going to miss being pregnant and I really tried to soak in as much as I could just having waited so long to actually be pregnant um I just wanted to soak up as much of it as I could and just appreciate everything that my body was doing so getting closer to the end of pregnancy so my due date was the Friday after Thanksgiving and so at the time, I was working a full-time Monday through Friday office job that I loved. But my husband and I decided that after the baby was born that I would be a stay-at-home mom. And I was a doula. At that time, I was very, like, freshly a doula. I had worked for a local hospital and then decided that I didn't want to work for the hospital. Um, just some personal things that I wanted to do differently and I wanted to be able to fully support moms and not have to support moms through the hospital. So I had branched out and started taking independent clients at that time but I stopped doing doula work in my mid-second trimester I believe just because it was getting to be a little bit much for me and just this being my first pregnancy and birth I really wanted to focus in on making sure that I was ready and prepared for our own birth. So we had decided that with my estimated due date being the day after Thanksgiving that I would just start my maternity leave that following Monday because I really didn't want to be going back to work after Thanksgiving and being 40 plus weeks pregnant and just kind of waiting for baby to come. I just wanted to take that time to be able to focus on myself and really focus in on preparing for our upcoming birth so one of the cool things about the timeline of all of that is early on in my pregnancy I had said something about oh yeah December 2nd the baby's gonna come like that's just that had that was the following Monday after Thanksgiving and so I just had it in my head like yep that's the day that baby's gonna come and that's actually the day my son ended up being born on so I thought that that was kind of cool and it it really showed me how that mind-body connection can play out because being able to close the chapter and be done with work and I just kept saying I just want to get through Thanksgiving Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays just because who doesn't like to eat a ton of food and just hang out with family so I just wanted to get through Thanksgiving I wanted to enjoy my Thanksgiving with my family and then have the weekend to just do our own thing, relax, get ready for birth. And then my baby would be born on that Monday. And he was. So um, we spent Thanksgiving with my family. We were at my parents' house pretty much the whole day. And we had talked about maybe going to see my husband's family because they were in the same town. They were just on the other side of town. But I was feeling tired and just wanted to get home and I was just kind of uncomfortable at that point. So we went home and just laid low that evening. I think we laid in bed and watched a movie and I woke up just after midnight and was just feeling so sick and I thought maybe I had just eaten way too much at Thanksgiving. I was throwing up. I was using the bathroom. Um... Just kind of tossing and turning all night and looking back now, I know that my body was clearing itself out and getting ready for labor to start. But at the time I thought, oh, I just ate way too much at Thanksgiving. I should not have done that. And so I was kind of up off and on throughout the night and into the early morning. I think I maybe got a couple hours of sleep. And then that morning I started having some, I know now, prodromal labor So contractions were every like 15 to 20 minutes. It wasn't super strong. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I can feel that. And so we just continued throughout our day that whole day on Friday. And then things really picked up Friday night into Saturday morning. So I didn't really sleep much that night either. Um, the The contractions weren't unbearable, but they were to the point where it was uncomfortable to lay down. And being a first-time mom, I was excited that things were happening. And so I, I ended up sleeping on the couch just because it was easier to get up and off the couch when I needed to, if there were some strong contractions in there. And I wanted to make sure that my husband got some rest if this kind of was the real thing, because I knew that I was going to be needing him for some extra support. So uh, throughout the night on Saturday, I, I can't, I don't think that I started timing them until it got into like Saturday morning because then I started having them like every 10 to 12 minutes or so. And then all throughout the day on Saturday, I was having contractions and into Saturday night, I actually spoke with my midwife on the phone before we went to bed on Saturday night and just kind of let her know like, yeah, I've been having, some contractions off and on throughout the night. I had had a little bit, or I had started losing a little bit of my mucus plug at that time, um, but nothing super significant. They were still pretty irregular. They were probably only about 30 to 45 seconds long. So I knew it was probably going to be a little bit of a longer process. So our midwife said, okay, try to get some sleep. You call me if you need me. And so, of course, I didn't sleep very well that night either um things really intensified throughout the night and i was having to actually get up and move during the contractions now so i spent a lot of the night just pacing down our hallway uh, walking back and forth from our garage back to our bedroom into the bathroom and kind of in this little loop and i again was just kind of doing my own thing i didn't want to wake my husband up i was fine i was comfortable just doing this on my own at this time and i again wanted to make sure that he was getting rest just because things were picking up and i knew that things were going to start getting more intense if this was the real deal so that was all throughout saturday night and then sunday morning i called our midwife back and just said yep i was laboring all night contractions were probably every six to eight minutes apart by now Um, I was having some back labor so we had known that my son was kind of in a funky position prior to the onset of labor I had been doing like chiropractic care some spinning babies exercises different things like that but with the back labor we knew he was probably turned a little funky and that's maybe why We were having some of that prodromal labor and the drawn out contractions and irregular contractions and things like that. So my midwife said she, oh, I should back up actually because, so we woke up on Sunday and it was a blizzard. So we live right on the North Dakota, Minnesota border. And so for anyone who's experienced a good old North Dakota blizzard, it was it was going to get bad throughout the day. So when I had spoken to my midwife that, sm- that morning, she typically wouldn't have come over that early, but she knew if she wanted to be able to get to our house, she was going to have to leave early in the morning rather than waiting until later in the day. So uh, she, she was going to start packing up her things and start heading over. And then we had intended on having my mom and my mother-in-law here as well. So we called both of them. My mom was going to... St- start doing the same packing things up and heading over and then my mother-in-law lives a little bit closer to us so she was going to wait it out a little bit and head over later in the day so i just kept doing my thing i was walking i was sitting on our birth ball um my husband was up at that point and so he was rubbing my back and making me food and different things like that so then our midwife and my mom got to our house less than two hours later. So it wasn't a significant amount of time. And I remember, so my mom is, or was a labor and delivery nurse and now she works postpartum. But she told me later like, yeah, I don't think that you were in labor, but I had been doing hypnobabies throughout my entire pregnancy. And so I was listening to my tracks and it's it's funny that she said that because now I've also supported a couple of births where moms have used hypnobabies, And it is different than a mom who is maybe not done that type of birth prep because hypnobabies really helps you relax your body and lean into your contractions and support what your body is doing instead of fighting against it. So then uh, all day on Sunday, I had contractions four to five minutes apart, three to four minutes. I mean, they were really starting to narrow in. And I remember our midwife saying like, oh yeah, I think we're definitely going to have a baby by this afternoon or this evening. I'm glad I came early this morning just so that we can make sure that we're all here. She ended up calling the two, well she had one assistant and then one gal who was an assistant in training that I had agreed to have be there as well. And so she called the two of them and they headed over and then of course, knowing what I know now, things stalled out. My contractions started spacing out again. I remember feeling really frustrated by that because things had been getting into a really good pattern, but now with all these people in my house and feeling a little bit watched, I I think my body started freaking out a little bit. So My husband and I spent some time just laboring in our bedroom by ourselves with the lights off. I spent some time sitting on the toilet because up until that point, I had had a horrible strong contraction every single time I sat on the toilet. But then with things spacing out, I I could not get myself to have a contraction. So it had been probably about 20 minutes at that point and my midwife, well, it was probably six. Six in the evening, eight in the evening. I don't remember the exact timeline, but it was later into the day. And so I remember feeling frustrated because my midwife had said like, oh yeah, we're going to have a baby by this afternoon or this evening. And there was no baby. I was definitely still laboring. I hadn't been checked at all up until this point. So I had no idea really where things were at. And so my midwife asked if she could check me because she might be able to give A little bit more insight into what we could do depending on where I was at. So I said that that was fine. Um, She checked me and I was about a six. And she suggested, since my contractions had spaced out quite a bit, to try and rest. Because up until that point, I really hadn't slept in a couple of nights. She wanted me to try to eat something and get some fluids in me. So I made or my mom made me some eggs. I took a bath and just to try to help my body relax a little bit because I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed and then my husband and I went and laid down in bed and he was still timing contractions because I had picked up a little bit once we started or once we went and laid down and then I got up to go to the bathroom at one point and when I when I swung my leg over the bed to get up and out of bed, my water exploded everywhere. So I know a lot of women say like, oh yeah, your water doesn't break like it does in the movies, but mine did. It was crazy. And I'm really glad that we had, we had gotten a waterproof mattress protector on our bed because it was literally everywhere. It soaked our bed. And so I, my midwife and her assistants had gone down into our basement at that point. My mom and mother-in-law were laying on the couch resting and I yelled out like, oh, my water broke. And so everyone came upstairs and we knew things would probably pick up pretty quickly after having my water broken. So I decided I didn't want to lay down anymore and things did pick up pretty quickly. So I think even if I had wanted to rest, I wouldn't have been able to, and I started walking around again I was bouncing on the birth ball I was on my hands and knees and I was still having some back labor at this point so we we were trying to do some things to help baby move into a better position because we were still wondering if he was maybe a little bit posterior or a little bit misaligned so at that point my midwife had me do a forward-leaning inversion so that's a spinning baby's technique, and it's supposed to help baby come off of your cervix a little bit, and then go back into your pelvis and and get a better alignment, so that he, well, so he or she is putting more symmetrical pressure on your cervix to help you dilate. So we did that, and immediately her and her assistant were saying, "Okay, you need to get up. You need to get up. You need to get up." And so I sat up. And baby's heart rate had gone down into the 80s when I was doing that. So I couldn't really do any hands and knees movements at that point anymore because every time I was on my hands and knees or leaning forward like that, the baby's heart rate would go down. And so we, we were kind of waiting it out to see if that was going to be a continued trend because he did recover fine as far as I'm aware each time but it was just when I was in those positions that his heart rate would go down so we I think at that point she might have checked me again to see where I was at just because of those decelerations Um, she wanted to see if maybe he had moved down quite a bit more or if I was maybe ready to start pushing so at that point I was a a nine and a half is what she said. So I basically just had a little bit of a cervical lip, um, but I had started to feel that increase in pressure. And so we had planned on having a water birth. So my mom and mother-in-law started filling up the birth pool and I just remember them seeing them walk from the kitchen to the living room with these boiling hot pots of water because we had already used some of the hot water when I took a bath earlier in the evening. And the birth pool was huge for anyone who's used one of those. So we did have the little hose adapter and all of that, but the water just wasn't warm enough. So they were boiling water and putting that into the pool. And I just remember wanting to get into the pool so bad. And so it felt like it was taking forever for that to get filled up. And while we were waiting for the water to get to the right temperature, my midwife had a conversation with us that if baby continued to have d-cells that we might need to talk about transferring to the hospital for closer observations so at this point it's still a blizzard outside um, we could hear our neighbor out snow blowing the sidewalk and my husband went out there because of course no one had been outside shoveling or doing anything in our driveway or our sidewalks and our street was still completely covered in snow So my husband went outside and talked to our neighbor and just asked if he could help us out and then he ended up having to call our city and ask for someone to come plow our street so that if we needed to leave, we could leave. And while all of that was taking place, the the pool got filled up so I got into the tub and I was probably only in there for five minutes and my midwife said we're continuing to have d-cells I think we need to transfer to the hospital and I don't even remember what went through my head at that point like it just planning a home birth going to the hospital hadn't even crossed my mind and so My husband and I just looked at each other and, I mean, we trusted our midwife and just said, okay, if if we need to go, then we need to go. And my midwife just explained that she wanted to transfer before it was an emergent situation and just that baby might need some closer monitoring. So I got out of the pool and my mother-in-law helped me get dressed, helped me get my shoes on. And then I waddled out to my husband's pickup that was parked at the end of our driveway in the still slightly snowy street. And my midwife climbed into the back seat with me. I laid down on my left side in the back seat and my body was really pushing by that point too. So she had me doing, they're called horse lips. So basically just like blowing air through each contraction so that I wasn't, pushing extra on top of my body pushing and our, so we live right in between two bigger cities in North Dakota. So they're each about a half hour to 40 minutes away. And so the hospital we had originally planned on going to, if, well, I guess I should say the hospital that I had received care previously at was not an option because that direction, the blizzard was worse. So we ended up going about 40 miles north of our house to the next closest hospital, and we, I was a little bit nervous, just not really knowing what to expect as a home birth transfer, and just knowing some of the things that I had heard about this hospital in particular, I wasn't really sure how I was going to be received. So my midwife called the hospital while we were on the way, my husband was driving, and just explained that I was nine and a half centimeters the last time I had been checked. I was definitely, or my body was definitely starting to push. I was feeling more of that pressure, but that we were transferring because of some D-cells. So we got to the hospital, uh, we pulled up into the ambulance bay. And of course, like five nurses met us at the door and like threw open the pickup door and were trying to pull me out. And I just remember telling them like, okay, I'm fine. I can get up on my own. They made me get onto a gurney. Or not a gurney. I got like one of the big hospital beds that they pushed down the hallway. They wouldn't let me walk. And so I had to sit on that. And that was probably in the car and laying on that bed while they pushed me were probably the most painful parts of my labor just because I wasn't able to get up and move as I had wanted to. And so we got up to the labor room. Uh, just kind of explained where things had been at at home got hooked up to the continuous monitors and baby was fine there there weren't any d cells noted at the hospital so after i did process through things with my midwife a bit after everything Just because I wanted some answers and wanted to hear what she had to say about how everything had played out. And she had said that sometimes laying on your left side can help baby rotate into a better position. And she thinks it might have been like a cord compression issue just with the way baby was laying. And so laying on my left side in the truck on the way to the hospital might have resolved the issue. And I just remember thinking, well, why couldn't we have done that at home? Because now there was no leaving the hospital because we were in the middle of a blizzard. I mean, going to the hospital when my body was pushing was, I thought, was already kind of risky because I didn't want to have a baby on the side of the road in a blizzard. But obviously that didn't happen. And as we continue the story, we'll see that there was no way that that was going to happen. But um, I just remember wondering, like, well, why couldn't we have just laid on my left side or tried a couple things at home before transferring to the hospital if that's something that sometimes resolves those issues. But anyway, so we were at the hospital. Um, The first nurse that I had was great. She was super supportive. She basically said, well, your midwife has been with you throughout your entire pregnancy and throughout your labor thus far. So you guys just keep doing what you're doing and I'm just here if you need me. So she just kind of hung out in the background. I was pushing still at that point. I was, I remember at one point I was standing up next to the bed and I mean, my body was involuntarily pushing at that point. So I had made some sort of like groaning or grunting noise when my body was pushing. And I remember the nurse saying like, oh honey, we need you to be on the bed. At least you can't have your baby standing up next to the bed. And I just kind of rolled my eyes and was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. So we tried a couple different positions for pushing I remember being on my hands and knees I remember standing up I remember leaning over the side of the bed and then I was really starting to hit a wall at that point because I had been in active labor for over 24 hours at this point I had had that prodromal labor for a day and a half before then and I hadn't really slept I wasn't I hadn't eaten a ton and my support team was also exhausted. My, my husband was like physically ill. He was so tired. My mom, I remember looking over and seeing my mom and mother-in-law like nodding off in between contractions. And then they would jump back up when I had one to help support me. And I was just exhausted. I, I don't remember ever hitting a point in my labor where like mentally I was done, but my body was so tired. So I, I just needed to lay down and try to find a way to rest in between contractions. And I had been checked again at this point and baby was at plus two station. So had moved down quite a bit, but was still trying to get under my pubic bones so my midwife said well why don't you try laying down for a little bit although the lithotomy position is not the most comfortable position and it's kind of that it's lithotomy is when you're laying flat on your back and pushing so that's usually the position that women are like i do not want to lay on my back and push but she was saying sometimes it can help baby rotate under your pubic bone which I don't know if I agree with that, but (laughs) anyway, I was so tired at that point and I think I would have done anything that anyone would have told me to do because I just, my body just needed a break. So I tried laying down. I pushed just to give like a general timeline. When we were at the hospital, I pushed for six hours from the time we got checked into our labor room until we decided that there wasn't really anything else that my body could do at this point so I laid on my back and pushed for quite a while and then I had the OB coming in every couple of hours saying you know this baby's not really moving down anymore um she suggested moving forward with a c-section twice before we actually agreed to it and I just remember too in the hospital my mom asking my midwife like what's what's the longest that you've seen someone push for and my midwife said six hours so then of course once we hit that six hour mark is when you could just feel the vibe and the energy in the room change because I think everyone was kind of like okay I don't know if this is going to happen so my contractions spaced out a little bit again, probably about an hour before we decided to move forward with the C-section. And so they asked if they could start me on some Pitocin just to keep my contractions close together. And so of course I was like, yeah, whatever, do whatever you have to do. I just want this to keep going. I don't want things to space out. Looking back now, I almost wish I would have taken that time to rest because again, my baby was doing just fine. There weren't any abnormal d-cells there wasn't any emergency or anything like that so I think that my body was just so exhausted at that point too that my uterus needed a rest and so I almost wish that I would have just let things space out and tried to nap a little bit and regain some energy but that's not what we did we started the Pitocin and did that for about an hour And then again, the OB came in and said, your baby still has not moved down in the last three to four hours. You can keep trying to push, but I do think that he's in there funky. I think that you're going to need a C-section. And that's just kind of when I, that's the only time in my labor where I hit that wall that I was like, okay, I'm done. Like I, I've been doing this for days. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I just want to meet my baby. Like I I don't know why this isn't working, but obviously everything I've been doing is not making him come out or move down any further. So, I remember being terrified to tell my husband that we were going to move forward with a C-section because he he was actually in a different room at that time or had been out using the bathroom or something. And So my mother-in-law went out to talk to him because I was just sobbing at this point. Like I, I just felt so defeated and I could not figure out why things were not progressing the way that they should be, why baby wasn't moving down. And so he came back into the room and just held me and cried with me and said that it was going to be okay. And we moved forward with the c-sections so like i said it wasn't an emergency i think they called it like a 1c or something like that so within an hour i would be having the c-section so they bring in all that paperwork that they make you sign when you're in the middle of labor and i remember turning to my nurse and just being kind of snappy and being like so if i'm not gonna labor anymore turn off the pitocin i'm done and (laughs) um so they turned off the pitocin they got me all prepped I actually decided to have my mom come into the OR with me just because of how tired my husband was and he he doesn't do very well with medical things like that. So being in a surgery and seeing all of that, I wasn't sure how he was going to handle that. So my mom came into the OR with me and I'm very grateful for her because she took pictures throughout everything and actually had this awesome picture of my son being born like literally a second after he was pulled out of me and it's not the birth that I wanted in any way whatsoever but I am eternally grateful for that photo because I look at that all the time still to this day and She took pictures of him laying on me in the OR and all of that kind of stuff. So after about 10 to 15 minutes, I kind of had this realization that like, oh, nobody has gone out to update my husband or my mother-in-law on what's going on. And he gets a little bit nervous when things happen. So I told my mom I said okay you better bring the baby out there to meet him which again looking back like I was definitely thinking like okay he he needs that reassurance he needs to make sure that everything's okay and I wish I would have waited because it would have been awesome to see his reaction to meeting our son firsthand but our midwife did get a really great video of him holding our son and he is just sobbing happy tears like was so happy to see him and meet him and Then I moved into recovery just a couple minutes later. So then by that point, my dad had gotten to the hospital too. And so my mom, my dad, my husband, my mother-in-law, and then our new little baby and I were all in the recovery room. So we have some great pictures of us as a family for the first time and me breastfeeding for the first time. And so we sat in recovery for... About an hour or so before we moved up to our actual hospital room. So then at that point, my mom stayed with us. My dad brought my mother-in-law and midwife back to our house because they didn't have vehicles there with them. And we didn't have anything packed for the hospital because we didn't anticipate going to the hospital. So my mother-in-law packed a bag for my dad to bring back to us and... We spent the rest of the day just snuggling in with our brand new little baby and taking a million pictures and videos, and I'm grateful that we did that too because the time we spent in the hospital was very blurry. I, I remember a couple friends coming up and seeing us, and my sister-in-law came, and we have pictures of them meeting the baby and I have very vague memories of them being there but I spent a lot of that time in the hospital crying. I I had a really hard time for a really long time accepting that that's the way that my son was born because we had wanted something completely different and I felt like I had spent my entire pregnancy doing all of the right things and preparing for birth and the actual labor itself was not not as difficult, dare I say that? <laughs> not as difficult as I had anticipated it being and so I just didn't understand why my body failed me. And as a doula, I didn't know how I was ever going to support another woman planning for a natural birth again because it almost felt like if I couldn't do it how could I tell other people that they could do it or how can I say your body knows what to do listen to your body when my body hadn't birthed my baby but I think in processing all of that I I definitely have a different outlook on birth now not that birth is a scary medical event and every single woman needs to be at the hospital in case something bad happens. It's it's almost the opposite because it's almost like you should do everything you can to avoid any type of interruption or intervention if that's what you feel comfortable with because even the smallest things like having all of these extra people in your house can interrupt the process of labor and birth. And so... Looking back, there's no way of knowing if we had decided to, say, have an unassisted birth or if we had gone with a different midwife or not had the extra assistant or anything like that. If things, maybe things would have gone differently. I mean, who knows? You you can only take things as they come. But that it took me a long time to stop asking those what-if questions and stop saying, well, if I had just done this differently or if maybe if I had tried this or... So on and so on. So it took me probably a good nine or ten months to really even not feel those those feelings of guilt and anger. And I mean, looking back, I, I definitely went through like the whole five stages of grief thing. Like I was grieving the birth that I had wanted for this baby, for my son. And... It took me a long time to realize that it was grief but it also took me a long time to realize that it's okay for me to be upset that I didn't get the birth that I wanted because of course you have all of the well-meaning people who say, well, your baby is healthy and you are healthy or even worse than that, like, oh, you're so lucky you made it to the hospital. You never should have been planning a home birth in the first place. And so I felt guilty for wishing that my birth had gone differently when i did have a healthy baby and i know sometimes people don't get that out of a birth so it almost felt selfish for me to be upset just because of the way that my birth played out but i realize now that i i had mentioned earlier like i i didn't trust my body the way that i thought i did and so i really realized that in those first couple months of motherhood because again i didn't i didn't trust my intuition i didn't trust the decisions that i had made for my baby and it took me it took me a while to feel confident in my role as a mother and i think just being a first time mom you you have a little bit of that wavering confidence just because this is a new journey it's a new experience you hadn't been through this before but i definitely had some really bad postpartum anxiety i don't know if i would say i had postpartum depression because i still every day I was grateful for my son and I think that part of our infertility journey led to that but I was I was happy. I was a stay-at-home mom. That's all that I ever wanted to be in life and I just I had so much anxiety. I remember checking to make sure that our son was breathing like every couple of minutes. I remember Um, it being, it was still winter, but we were going, like if we would go somewhere in the car, I remember being terrified that we would get into a car accident and my in-laws live off of a dirt road. And so I remember making my husband drive like literally 10 miles an hour on this dirt road because I was like, we're going to slide off of the road and into the ditch and something's going to happen. Like I had such bad anxiety that something bad was going to happen. And I think that some of that comes from the whole birth that we had been planning to me or in my mind the worst case scenario had happened we had to transfer to the hospital and we had to have a c-section and that was just like the complete opposite of what I wanted and so I was terrified that that was going to continue or something like that was going to happen again and it just took me diving in and processing through my birth and sitting with those feelings and doing some different body work and things like that to really help heal that wound that that left. And I think that's where some of this passion for VBAC comes from now because I knew that I wanted to have a VBAC after having that initial C-section, but I didn't realize that people had VBACs at home. I I didn't it didn't even cross my mind that that was a thing. So I spent a lot of time grieving not only my birth plan, but the fact that I would never have a home birth. that That's what I thought in my head. I was like, I planned this beautiful home birth. I've watched all of these home birth videos. I've read all of these stories. Like I know that this is what I want. And I didn't think that I would ever get to do that. But then learning that people do have VBACs at home, it it almost reopened that possibility for me. And so now knowing that that's an option that is definitely what we're gonna plan in the future. And again, people people will say, "Well, you're crazy. If that happened with your first birth, you need to be at the hospital just in case something happens." And there's a lot there's a lot of negativity around home birth VBACs. And so my hope with this podcast and with sharing my story and allowing other women to share their stories, my hope is that we can normalize not only home birth, but v back home birth or h backs. And so that's really where the drive for this podcast comes and I think that if well I know that if I hadn't had the birth experience with my son that I did have there's no way that this would have all come to fruition. And so in a way I'm grateful. I obviously still wish that things would have done differently, but I've I've done all of that work and I've been able to process and move forward and accept way that things happened and it just feels good to be doing something meaningful with it and something that might change the way that other women choose to give birth if that's what's right for them. So I guess all in all that's that's what's led me to creating this. That's what's led me to where I'm at now. We couldn't be more in love with our happy, energetic, fun little one year old boy that we have and we're hoping to be able to get pregnant sometime in 2021. Uh, we're not entirely sure when that will happen, but I'm hopeful that that it will be a different process for us this time. And just having the knowledge and the confidence in myself that I have now, I'm hoping that things will look differently and that I'm able to really trust myself and lean into my own tuition and not focus so much on what everyone else thinks is best or what everyone else is saying and just do what feels right for me because that's all that any woman can do during pregnancy and birth there is no one size fits all birth you just have to do what feels right and best for you and your family and your situation so I want to thank all of you again for all of the support for this podcast I'm excited to see where all of this leads. And if you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, I'm working on getting a website up and running. But in the meantime, you can just send an email to hbacpodcast at gmail.com. And I would love to get a time set up for us to chat and for you to share your story. Because I think one of the biggest things that is important when you're planning a birth, but especially a home birth or a VBAC birth is having that support and surrounding yourself with positivity. So if you would be interested in sharing your VBAC story, your home birth VBAC story, again, that email address is hbacpodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram page up for the podcast. So I'll be sharing snippets and pictures and uh, previews of upcoming episodes on both of those platforms. So you can find us again at HBAC podcast on Facebook and Instagram.